I'm I'm Jimmy DeVita, and I'm the guy that almost killed someone with a seagull. What? What? (laughs) Do I have to explain further after this? Please do. Oh my gosh! Killed with a seagull. Everyone has a story to tell. We have a bottle of wine and an ear to listen. Join a couple of dolts as we dote out some anecdotes. And welcome to Anecdotal Dote. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Anecdotal Dote, the podcast that celebrates the stories and storytellers in all of us. I'm John Seidenberg, the guy who has had the... Hmm, let me try... I'm so sorry. I While I was talking... I got really distracted because I noticed every time I go to say hello, everyone, and welcome to Anecdotal Dope, I put my hands on my hips every time that I go to say it. And it just clicked that that is something that I do. And I do like a little hip shimmy every time that I say hello, everyone, and welcome to Anecdotal Dope. Um, it's true. I'm so sorry. I got so distracted by that thought. Let me try again. For those who don't know, uh, I'm John Seidenberg, the guy who had the worst possible reaction to a confession of love ever. And joining me on this podcast is the person who showcases her love for me daily, Laura Arnold. <laughs> I do, it's true. Um, what is What exactly is the worst possible reaction? Okay, so you, you tell me how bad this is. Okay, great. I was in college um, and a really good friend of mine. I had spent, I'd been spending like every waking minute with her and another good friend of mine. And we went and saw shows together. We went shopping together. We, I would cook dinner for them all the time. Um, she bought me all kinds of like really nice expensive presents. Um, and I was just like, Oh, I just, I just hit the jackpot with this friend. How awesome. And then it was the it was the last night before I went home for Christmas break. And this was me as like a sophomore, I think. And we had all, because it was our last night together, we exchanged presents, like Christmas gifts, because it was winter break. And then um, we got really drunk. And then I passed out on their futon. I'm asleep on that couch and I'm passed out and, I, and I'm awoken by her shaking me awake. And I'm drunk and I'm young and I'm tired because it's like four in the morning. And she's like, John, I need to talk to you. And I was like, what was going on? And she's like, I need to, I need to say this before like I lose my nerve and because we're not going to see each other for a couple of months or for a couple of weeks. So I just, I want there, like, I need you. I just, I just need to say this. And I was like, what's, what's going on? And she was like, I'm in love with you. And I, (laughs) and I like just sat there for a second and I'm still drunk and I'm exhausted and I'm trying to go back to sleep. And I was like, I'm really tired. I'm just going to go back to bed. And then I rolled over away from her and went back to sleep. Um, And she just (laughs) was left there out in the open without me doing or saying anything that she wanted to hear. Oh my god. That's rough. Pretty bad reaction to a confession of love, right? Yeah, that's pretty bad. So, Laura, I don't know why we're wasting any more time today. 
I know. We have such a good guest this week. We have an incredible guest. Uh, our conversation was great. Um, one thing I want to mention before we get started, just because we didn't get a chance to talk to him about it before we started. Well, we started talking about it before we recorded, um, was that um, our guest today is uh, partnered up uh, in holy matrimony with one of our former guests. Yeah. This is Brenda DeVita. It's her husband. AKA all of the bodily fluid stories that we had a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. This is, this is her husband. <laughs> we loved having Brenda on the podcast and Jimmy was amazing as well. So I cannot, um, Jimmy is a, as you're about to hear from his bio, he is a published author. So me being a writer, could not wait to shoot the shirt with him about uh, about his process and his inspirations and all of that. And uh, so I cannot cannot wait for you to hear his his uh, his wonderful self. So Laura, who is our guest? We've talked about them so much. I know, such a long intro. Um, today's guest is core company actor and literary manager at American Players Theater, James DeVita, a writer, director, and an award-winning playwright. Jimmy has years of experience as a first mate on an open fishing boat and an EMT at separate times, to be clear. Um, <laughs> his published novels include A Winsome Murder, The Silenced, and Blue. Welcome to the podcast, Brenda DeVita's husband, Jimmy. <laughs> He's going to hate me for that. <laughs> yeah, well, I was responsible almost for this, if you can believe this, a seagull stabbing someone to death. <clears throat> I know it sounds a little weird. I was trying to think of a story for this, but uh, um, John, before, um, before I do what I <clears throat> did, what I do now, I was a fisherman for about five, I'm from Long Island and I grew up as a fisherman and I started uh, working on fishing boats when I, I think I was 17 and worked till I was about 21 or 22. So I had a good five or six seasons on the fishing boats and um, a uh, big thing we used to do when the fishing boats would dock at the, when we'd come back into port, we'd dock at the end of the day. We did day trips. We were not like the wild crabbing shows there are. We're out for months. We, mm -hmm. we, we did day trips and came back to the dock. And um, <clears throat> we, uh, a big part of the, of the day was we'd get back to the dock on a busy weekend. And the docks are just packed with people, crowded. And they'd all come to see the boats come in. It's the thing you do on Long Island, watch the fishing boats come in. It's kind of fun. And as a first mate, on the Jib 7, this boat that I used to work on. And uh, so part of my job was I would get to um, fillet fish and sell them to people on the dock. They don't, oh, wow. they stopped allowing that for health reasons. But <clears throat> in the good old days when I started, <laughs> you just went out there and I had a little portable table we put on a dock and I would fillet fish. And, and it was a bit of a show too. So like people would gather around to watch you fillet and, you know, and you get fancy with it. It's fun. You make tips and they buy the fish. And, um, so anyway, I'm filleting fish and there's a big crowd. I remember it was, a, it was a really bright, sunny weekend day. So it was like six o'clock at night, you know, the sun's still out, lots of people. <clears throat> and I'm filleting my fish. And I used to, I used what we called a Dexter then, which is about an eight inch knife, a really good fillet knife. And, and so, you know, I'm filleting like this and I leave my knife on the table, packing up some fish for somebody over here. And a seagull comes down and takes my knife right off the table. <gasps> <laughs> and, and they seagulls are known to do all kinds they'll take steaks off of barbecues they'll take the you know big things they could take but this is like it's a good eight inch blade with a four inch handle it's a huge freaking knife 
And, you know, there's guts on it and stuff. So the seagull came down and smells it. So then the seagull goes up and he flies over the dock. So this dock has hundreds and hundreds of people on it. And the seagull, I'm not kidding. it. I don't know how high it is, but high enough, if he drops that knife, somebody's probably going to get stabbed. <laughs> what seagulls do a lot is, you know, they, they take clams and scallops. They, and the thing they do is they fly up and they drop them. And then they crack and they come down and eat what's inside. <laughs> So my brain is going a mile a minute that that's exactly what this, this bird thinks. It's got this hard thing that smells like something to eat and it's going to drop and, I, and there's hundreds of people around and there's little kids. So I'm following the seagull that's, that's way, flying around in circles down the dock and I'm running and I'm in my like, we call them our Heli Hansons, which are my little rubber overalls and my rubber boots and I'm covered with fish guts. And I'm yelling at people, get out of the way, get out of the way, There's, you're going to get stabbed, you're going to get stabbed. They have no idea what I'm talking about. And I'm chasing <laughs> this bird, trying to stay under it and get people out of the way. And sure enough, the bird drops the knife and it's, and it's coming, I can see it coming down. And I'm yelling for people to get out of the way and, the thing, and I'm not exactly, literally sticks in the dock, dying. Oh and my there gosh. had to be people maybe six inches away from it. Oh my gosh. So all oh I could, God. like, somebody literally could have gotten stabbed in the neck by a seagull <laughs> with a and killed on that dog. I mean, it's funny to laugh about that now, but at the time I was scared to death. So was, so was fishing, is that like part of your family or like, how did you get into becoming first mate on this? No, I walked the docks for two years. I, remember, I but part of my family, they were not in the business. My dad just had me fishing since I could walk. So I fished since I was, can remember. Um, so it was always ro romantic and really exciting to want to work on the fishing boats down at this dock, Captree, uh, which is uh, the boat, uh, the dock where I was. But it's very hard to get in the business if your family is not in it. So I did what mm -hmm. they call walking the docks and it took me two years to get a job. And I would basically keep going up to the boat and ask the captain and they say, no, thank you. No, thank you. And um, finally, after two years, I remember <clears throat> I actually didn't get it by what I, I read it. There was a, an advertisement in the paper. And uh, <clears throat> I went to meet this uh, fella. And my memory of him now is like he, like, he seemed like 60 years old to me. He had a beard and he was 35. I, because <laughs> I was 17, you know? And I, I remember, cause it was so romantic, you know, I thought I was gonna walk into this old like sea shanty with, you know, you know Jaws things hanging on the wall. <laughs> he, he lived in a, a little split level, you know, a nice shag carpet. This was the, you know, this was the late seventies, early eighties when I was a kid. And uh, his name is Marty Schwartz. <laughs> it just, he didn't fit anything that I thought a captain was supposed to be. You know, I was reading Moby Dick and was waiting to meet this salty captain. And, <laughs> but what's something that you think is is a is an important lesson or thing that you learned while being in that job? I remember once he came up because so we we take the boat out of the water every <clears throat> every winter. That's when you work on a boat. So very late fall, you have the boat. These big things haul the boat out of the water, and then it's in dry dock, and that's when you work on the hull and you repaint it and do all this stuff. And right. And I was a good worker. I was very conscientious. But I remember Marty comes up to me, and I was taking a long time with this one thing, and he said. Now, Jim, you can, you can either do this job perfect and take a really long time to do it, or you can do a kind of half ass and do it quickly. He said, I'd like it perfect and quickly. <laughs> That's incredible. That's fantastic. And you're, it's so interesting when I was reading your bio because you, 
but you you've done so many just fascinating things, including you are a published author. Uh-huh. But what is for you, what is what's your favorite part of writing a book? My favorite part is is the the, the initial output of it because mm. at, you know I if if I'm on as a writer, if it's working, I write fast and sloppy, I call it. It's mm. it's you know, but I'm getting the ideas out. That it's 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 getting out there, I'm writing stuff, something's happening, it's creative. And it's fun and one thing's leading to another. And then the next day is going back and looking at that chapter and saying, and then I start doing more of the, um, the work that is a word choice and this and cutting. And, um, and as I get more, it's not exactly not fun, but it's not as fun as the first initial um, things. And I, I don't know a lot about the price process. I wasn't trained as a writer. Part of me wishes I was, I learned it, um, just by being around great authors all my life, I think, you know, mm -hmm. learn things and um, working in theater, being around great scripts and great writers. Right. Um, but I keep telling myself just to trust myself, write fast when it's coming fast. I don't belabor a sentence for, I thought I should, like I wanted to like those main famous writers like Voltaire, you know, on a sentence for three weeks. And oh yeah. For me, that's bullshit. But just write, get it on the page, get your heart out on the page get your imagination on the page. That that hesitancy to like that, that worry about not being, you know, a, a Voltaire, someone who's not being a, you know, in a, 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 a distinguished writer is, is such a blocking mechanism. Yeah. I just, you know, <clears throat> I encourage people to trust that flow when it is going like mm -hmm. that, trust it. And if you can keep the editorial process out as long as you can until yeah. it's necessary. <laughs> um, uh, there's a great book called Bird by Bird. I don't know if you ever read it by uh, no. Anne, Anne Lamott. Uh, I have a literary crush on her. She's a, she's a wonderful writer. <laughs> and she wrote a, a, a book about writing and life. It's one of those books that's about, you know, both the vocation and life in general, but it's called Bird by Bird. Okay, uh, I'm going to have to look into it. Oh, she's, she's, she's wonderful. Anne Lamott. Okay, thank um, you. Yeah. Uh, but she talks about, she calls it the screaming monkeys. Those, those, the thoughts in your head that mm -hmm. are like trying to get in your way. Like for me, it was when I first started, cause I had no, I was not an author. Like, so going out to my little studio at, you know, six in the morning, my brain is going, who, the f who are you to write? Nobody's gonna <laughs> want to read it. What are you doing? Who do you think you are? You can't write a novel. Nobody's going to want to read it anyway. All these, mm -hmm. which are the screaming monkeys. You know? Yep. Yep. Um, and to shut them off and trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then even in the, in when it's flowing to keep the editors out when it's, there's a time for the editors. Right. I mean, your, your own mind, the editors right. in your mind. Right. <laughs> I feel so inspired right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. After this, I'm going to be writing. Um, okay. So great. Um, so talk about what is your, your first memory with theater? I, I grew up on Long Island and uh, we're, we're, when I grew up, when I was a kid, like someone like me, theater was not something a guy like me did. Mm -hmm. You'd get a lot of crap for doing that. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. <laughs> it, you just didn't do that. And I was not confident enough to express my interest with peer mm -hmm. pressure. I was, I succumbed to that. But my first memory is watching, we, we used to hang out and drink in uh, this place, it was Phelps Lane Park. It was a little park. You know, you'd get split a six pack with your friends. I don't know, mm -hmm. I'm like 16, 15, 16. Mm -hmm. Hang out in the park. You'd drink three Budweiser's and get <laughs> Sorry, mom. 
But I remember hanging out and they were, somebody was rehearsing an outdoor play of Bye Bye Birdie. Mm. And my first memory is I, right now I can, was, were the lights. Cause we were like hanging out in the dark part of the park down by the lake and the trees. And there was all this like music and stuff going on over there and these like blue and red and orange and lights and stuff like that. And music and song and, and I, I remember trying, like, trying to watch, but not getting caught watching because it wasn't cool to watch. <laughs> you know, drinking my beer, which I could only drink three. You know, you drink the fourth and try and pour it out so nobody saw you. <laughs> and, uh, but my first memory is like being really intrigued by, by it and wondering what it was. It looked really cool, and and not being able to watch it though. <laughs> Now to our main segment, the anecdotal dote. Here's how it works. I have selected a random word that only I've seen, and Jimmy, your job is to tell a true story based on that word. Are you ready? Oh my God. <laughs> no. <laughs> Go ahead. So it's like whatever comes to my mind when I hear that word. Yeah, yep. the only rule is it has to be a true story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the word is forget. Well, this is, <laughs> it must be because of Brenda's story. I, well, this is not scatological because I hate scatological humor. I hate jokes. <laughs> I hate any even words that are scatological. And my wife's story, well, we don't need to go into that again. <laughs> but so, so on the, on the fishing boats, um, when I started out, uh, you know, uh, the heads, the bathrooms are called heads on boats. Um, in the early days, uh, all the waste was just dumped into the ocean or the bay. Mm. Um, um, that was just a common practice at the time. And then we, like, the world learned, like, that's probably not the best thing for our waters. Mm -hmm. um, so suddenly all the boats had to get um, these holding tanks, which we'd never had before. Um, and then you'd have to get them pumped out at the, you know, the end of the week or something like that. So any waste on the boat would go into the holding tanks. So I was the first mate, so I was in charge of everything on the boat, you know, so if, if a head gets clogged, I got to take care of it or something like that. And, um, so we knew with these things, we didn't really know what to do with them. And I mean, we just hadn't had, you know, we hadn't had them on the boats a long time and they started getting clogged a lot and we'd clean them out. So one time the head gets clogged and I'm, uh, I'm the first mate, so I have to go down and take care of it. So the, I can't explain it, but you're in the hold of the ship so the holding tank is above you. Oh, so gosh. it's like underneath where the head is. So I'm mm -hmm. underneath it and I have to take apart the macerator pump because every once in a while something gets clogged in there. That's the thing why you see people like, please don't throw this down there or this thing down there. <laughs> well, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I'm underneath it and I have to take apart the macerator pump and I got my second mate. I brought him down to watch how to do it. And... <clears throat> I forget, oh, this is why the forget, you said forget. <laughs> I forget the pressure of like the weight of the water that's in the head already and I'm underneath it while oh, I'm taking out no. the pumps. And, <clears throat> so the, and the main holding tank is higher than that. So I'm trying to take the coupling off and I do get it off and I finally get this macerator pump and the pump comes gushing out <gasps> and the tank which was full comes i'm completely underneath so all of the waste water oh, everything else that was in there literally comes pouring on my head and i have oh no time to react 
and I'm just, I'm sitting, I'm drenched with waste from the boat, and, <sighs> and I don't want to tell you what was in there. You can use your imagination. <laughs> and just, for some reason, I remember not moving. Like, I didn't try, it's, it was so fast from the pressure of that. I'm just, and I remember looking at my second mate, and I said, that's why I get paid more than you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that we talked about, we've been talking about a little bit, but we've not really fully talked about is our 50th episode of the podcast is coming up. Yeah. That's incredible. We have in two weeks, our 50th episode is coming out. Yeah. Yep. Be honest. Did you think we would make it 50 episodes? No. That we are in agreement on that sentiment. (laughs) (laughs) Although I think that it helps that we, while we keep track of like, how many listeners we're getting, you know, some ratings. And we look at all of those things, but we still record anyway, regardless. That's very true. That's so, very like, true. So, like, we're not letting that shit keep us down. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's why we're making it to 50. <laughs> Is that we don't care what our listeners think of us, or even if we have listeners. <laughs> well, I will say, I will say there are, we have several listeners who have stuck with us from the beginning. Um, who reach out to me frequently to tell me that, oh my gosh, I just been, I, I, I was behind a couple of weeks and I listened to all of them and oh my gosh, this was so fun, blah, 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 blah. Uh, for some reason, I, I've not told you this, Laura, but people seem to love when we have our mothers on. Um, our moms are pretty f- great. They are, they're pretty, they're pretty hilarious. Yeah. Uh, they're pretty awesome. So yeah, they definitely love those episodes. Um, and then people really love the, uh, the Dungeons Dragons episodes that we do. Amazing. Which I did know that just from our ratings are, we have a huge spike when we release those. So we cannot, I promise you listeners, we do have a third episode of that coming down the pipeline. We've not recorded it yet. Um, but it will be coming out within the next couple of weeks. So we're, we're pretty excited for that. Um, but yeah, how do, you, how do you feel, Laura? 50. That's like we're, I won't live to see that age, but I have <laughs> lived to see the podcast age of 50. How do you feel about that? I guess sort of the same, right? Like I always said I wasn't going to live past 27, and I'm pretty darn close to doing that, so... You just reminded me of our age difference, and that just freaked me out. I'm so sorry. We're not that far apart. What are we, three years? Yeah, but that's... Oof. I know at this age, it feels like a f-ing eternity, because yeah. you're almost 30. Why would you say that to me? <laughs> because I have that thought to myself all the time, and I have three years. <laughs> <laughs> not even. I have two and some change. Oh, my goodness. You know, okay, so one thing I wasn't planning on talking about today, but I'm going to bring it up because it just happened. One thing that I I get a real kick out of whenever I'm talking to people is um, a, good, a good percentage of the laughs that I do um, are fake. Have I talked to you about this before? Probably. I think I've talked to you about this before because whenever I make the statement, most of my laughs are not genuine. The follow-up question, can you guess what that would be? Which ones are non-genuine? You're close. The question is, have you ever fake laughed at me? You ask me this question a bunch of times. I do ask you that all the time because you (laughs) laugh at so many things I say. And I know I am a comic (laughs) genius akin to Mozart, but (laughs) I want to make sure that you're not just 
coaxing it on because some of our viewers think that I pay you, which is laughable in itself um, to laugh at me. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. And there's some people who think I fired Ben just so that way I had someone who laughed at my jokes. (laughs) Y'all did talk a lot about how much you missed my laugh. In fact, so much to the point where you literally edited my laugh. (laughs) That's true. We really literally did. Um, No. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, um, I I did love having Ben on. I've not talked about this actually, but I I loved having Ben on. Um, But it, we, both of us are so busy in our other, like our other things that we're doing, whether it's with the theater or with our other, stuff that it was just it became impossible for us to be able to like make our schedules align so mm-hmm. it was much easier for him um we we amicably i still love him i i still i would love to have him on maybe he'll be on for the 50th who knows um but um yeah but, it would be a good one if we do yeah absolutely um but uh but yeah so it's it's a. Uh, but anyway yeah i'm going off on millions of tangents right now but uh so but no i do i do fake laugh a lot um because I like to be encouraging to people. So I will, I'm very generous with a laugh and I will force it if it's not natural. But so many times on this podcast, I am being genuine in my laugh. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's um, you, you provide a lot of those, but also the stories that our guests are telling. Um, so funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And that's been, that's been, um, I've said it, I've said it before, but I will say it again because today in particular has been a really rough day for me. Um, this podcast, even if nobody else listens, this Mm -hmm. podcast has been a lifesaver for me. I know you've said that it's been a lifesaver for you as well. Yeah. Um, but it's like every time that I have something difficult going on, it, it, whether it's like today we went to go record with Jimmy and it just turned my entire day around. Um, or it's just being able to like, you know, shoot the shirt with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been, it's been, it's been amazing. And to think that we have been going at this for 50 episodes now, you know, three of them really good um, has been a real, a real awesome experience. So I'm, I'm excited to celebrate 50 here in a couple of weeks. So that's another episode where we're, we're one closer to the, uh, to the big, um, what's, what's 50th? What's that? What is that? Um, you, you give me a diamond. Is that what that's supposed to be? Oh, the 50, 50th, like wedding anniversary, quote unquote. Yeah. It's gold, right? So, so it's what, like, so you're getting me a gold statue of myself. No. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you have a story inspired by our buzzword, which was forget, let us know. You can send them a question, comments, videos, stories, audio, any of that to theanecdotaldote at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Write us a review on Apple Podcast and share this podcast with your friends. Remember, everyone has a story to tell, especially you, so send them in. We're excited to listen. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Because I was going to get you a gold Hershey bar. Yeah. Do they even, are those even out still? I, I thought that was just for the Olympics. I don't know. I was trying to think of something cheap that was gold, and that was the first thing that popped in my head. I will send you something cheap that is gold. And we'll see who is gets the better thing. I must have said something really inappropriate, but... But your mom listens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> You're lucky my mother listens to this podcast. <laughs> oh my god.